This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, today we're going to be talking about why some Christians fail to receive healing. I want you to open to 3 John, verse 2. Amen, amen, amen. 3 John, verse 2. And, you know, before I get into this, the Lord keeps prompting me to have us hold up our Bibles. It's a good thing to do this sometimes, to remember what it is we got. If you got your Bible, hold your Bible up. And whatever you read your Bible off of, just hold something up as a contact with heaven. Say this. Say, this is my Bible. This is the holy written word of God. Given to me by God my Father to reveal to me the living word. His Son and my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the living word of God. This is the written word. And when I receive the written word... I've received a revelation from my Jesus. I am everything my Bible says I am. I can do everything, absolutely everything my Bible says I can do. And I can have what my Bible says I can have. I believe that. I have a tender heart. My mind's alert. I'm paying attention. I'm not going to be sidetracked. Today, I'm going to change for the better because my Bible says I can. Now give the Lord a shout. All right. Why some Christians fail to receive healing. I want to read 3 John 2. And, you know, it's it's easy just to watch the screen. But you need to look at your Bibles. 3 John 2 says this, Beloved, and when you're a born-again Christian, you are God's beloved. So he's talking to you, uh, brother and sister Christian. He says, I wish or I pray above all things. And this is John the Apostle, outlived all the other ones, lived for a long, long time. So he not only walked with Jesus, but after Jesus was resurrected in heaven, he lived for a long time after that. So he's lived a long time. He's full of the Spirit of God, full of the wisdom of God. And when an old man that walked with Jesus lived for a long time and he's full of the Holy Ghost and he writes something out there that you're here in the heart of God. So God is saying, I, I, I pray above all things that you may prosper and be in health. And be in health. God doesn't want you broke and God doesn't want you sick. God wants you to live long. He wants you to live strong. He said, above all else, even as thy soul prospers, even as thy soul prospers. And I, I want to say this, you know, those two things there, I don't want to hit too many bunny trails. I've got too much good ground to cover. You need to hear this. Broke Christians and sick Christians can't really do much for anybody else. If you're broke, if you're broke and somebody needs help, all you can say is, oh, I wish I could help them. Well, wishing doesn't help them. Money and things help them. Amen. Oh, oh, I wish I'd give them a ride. If all of my old junk car could go farther than Barstow. Well, God doesn't want your old junk car to be stuck in Barstow. Barstow. Number one, He wants you to have a car. Number two, He wants your car to be reliable. Number three, He wants money for gas in it. And so God doesn't want you broke so you can help people. And then also, 
Christians that have money and resources and good things, if they're sick all the time, oh, I'd like to do that. These drugs just have my mind so messed up. These doctors got me on this. I just can't think straight. Oh, I'm just, I'm just too dizzy to do anything. And I got a doctor's appointment on Wednesday. I got another one on Friday. And then I got to be down there for test on Tuesday. If that's what you're going through all the time, uh, it's no condemnation at all. They're just saying you can't help many other people because you're focused on yourself. And so God said, you know, I'm talking, I'm talking to Christians right now. God said above everything else, He wants you to have money in your pocket. He wants you well. He said, even as your soul prospers. And you know, as, as I'm writing out this lesson, when I was praying about what the Lord wanted to talk about today, I think about my Christian life. Uh, I've been, I've been teaching this for nearly 40 years. I taught a, taught a large healing school up in Indianapolis at a big church. And then back in the 80s, and then in the 90s when I began pastoring, I taught a healing school every every week on Wednesday morning for a couple hours that the whole community and towns around came to. Preachers came to it, Christians came to it. I taught divine healing to lots of groups for lots of years. And so healing has been my primary strong point for years and years and years and years. Divine healing, divine health, and those kind of things. And so I, I know something about it. I've watched lots of Christians never get it and die. I've watched some Christians get what I'm teaching today and be healed of incurable diseases. I've watched this thing, and so I've learned some things from the Bible and by experience in life about how to help people live if they'll receive it. And then, you know, just a, just a little something, you know, some of you don't really know me, but uh, last year, 2018, on January the 1st, I spent the day in the emergency room down at St. Mary's Hospital. I'd been having problems for a while. And then my diagnosis came out that week that I had stage four blood cancer. And I had 70, 70% of my blood had cancer. So I, only, I was only operating off 30%. Well, anyway, by the end of the year, diagnosed clean bill of health. And then in the midst of that, in August of 2018, last year, I had a really serious heart attack. And so at the, heart, at the hospital, the doctors diagnosed me with a 90% blockage of my right coronary artery. Was it 99? It was 99%. Okay, yeah, 1% of my artery, 1% of my main pumper was working. And so they did immediate surgery on me two weeks later for follow-up. After all kinds of tests for the follow-up, the doctor says, you have no damage. No damage. That's what I'm saying. No damage. And that heart attack I had was lasted three days, but I really didn't realize what was happening. And so anyway, no damage. And so I think that's above all else. He wants me to prosper and be in health. And so anyway, in the midst of all that, through getting all my uh, good reports from the heart doctor, cancer doctor, all those people like that, my wife, my wife wants to go out and buy a, a farm in Newberry Springs. And so we got lots of work to do. And so basically, I'm a, I'm a full-time pastor, but at least two or three days a week, I work six, eight, ten hours a day out there in the sun on the farm. We got an orchard, got a huge lake, and lots of other stuff we do out there. Got a few different buildings there we have to work in and do stuff. She, she, she believed that in. So what can you do if you got a praying wife that knows God? She says, well, I just love to have this place, and I love you to work it. I say, Jesus, have I got any say-so in this? 
So anyway, I realized that from what happened to try to take my life last year to where I am now, when I get up and go out there and work at that 170 degrees all day long and do stuff, that, that'd be pretty serious for any 68-year-old man. But a 68-year-old man, if you look at the natural what happened last year, that'd be stupid. But the thing is, when you know Jesus like I know Jesus, you know his word like I know his word, walk in what we do, you walk with Jesus. And so every day I thank him and praise him for my divine health. But I didn't just start doing that after I got healed. I've been doing that for 40 years. I've got, I've got a prosperous soul. My soul prospers, so I walk in divine healing and health even as my soul prospers. And so what I'm saying is this, I'm kind of qualified to show you some things. Amen. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to listen to some preacher, <clears throat> and I'm not knocking any preachers at all. Well, we'll listen to some preacher up here, blind in one eye, I couldn't see how the other can't hear anything, can't hardly walk, can't hardly talk, and tell you, Jesus wants you well. I thought, well, if he wants to be well, why don't he get you well first? And so I'm telling you, it works. It works. And so Third John 2, he wants us to prosper and be in health. And so for your fill in the blanks, it's God's will for all Christians to live in divine health. What is divine health? That means you stay well and just don't get sick. So he wants you to live in divine health and to receive divine healing if you do get sick. And so, you know, a lot of Christians, even in a church like this, don't realize the Bible teaches divine health as well as divine healing. Divine health, you just stay well. You know, somebody, somebody says, uh, what kind of medication are you on? And you say, what's medications? Somebody says, well, who's your family doctor? You say, what's a family doctor? Because you never had to go to one. Because you're staying well. Amen. That's, let's just stay well. That's called divine health. Then divine healing, if something happens, you know how to receive healing from God. He has many methods to get healing to you, but divine healing is God will speed up the healing process if you need healed. And if something was diagnosed as incurable or terminal, you receive healing, and the doctors say, we don't know what happened, but it's not there anymore. And, you know, I learned years ago in divine healing, we can pray for God to speed up the healing process. You can't see my little pinky from there, probably. If we was on TV right now, you'd see it on the camera. But two weeks ago, well, actually a little over a week ago, about a week ago, I've got a big tractor I use now on the farm. And I've got a thing on the back that I do my road with. i got a big old thing on the front that I have some great men in the church to show me how to use it better. It's called a bucket you scoop dirt with. But anyway, I got a lever there I was using. I was out there using a little grater thing on my road around my property. And all of a sudden, there's a burr on the thing where the lever was, and I ripped my finger open. And what I did, that wasn't a little cut, that was a gash across my whole finger right there. And it took everything I could do to stop the bleeding. Nobody was home but me, so I was able to get into the house. And I looked the next day, I thought, I went out to my garage, I saw blood all around my toolbox. I thought, man, I remember coming here to the toolbox. And my front porch had blood all over it, and I was able to get everything I could on there to stop the bleeding, but I immediately laid hands on that, and I asked the Lord to speed up the healing process. Well, Mrs. Pastor, when she got home and saw it, when I took that thing off, started gushing again. She said, oh, 
said, you punctured that. That's really, it's really serious. I said, I've already prayed. And the Lord's going to speed up the healing process. Well, within about two days, the whole thing was pretty much closed over. Got one little dot right there. And so the only reason I tell you those things is because we don't have to put up with stuff. How many believe that Jesus Christ is real? That God's real? The Holy Spirit's real? And that the Word of God really is what we said a while ago, God talking to us? Okay, well, see, my soul's prosperous with God. And God said, above all else, He doesn't want me sick, He wants me healed. And so God sped up that healing process. And, you know, I recall, and when I prayed, you know, this stuff sounds wacky to you if you haven't been around stuff like this, but I just have to tell you some wacky stories because they're real. And when you read the Bible and see the things the apostles did, the believers did, the book of Acts, you're going to find out that God uses people. Like that song we sang a while ago, great job, Katie and team. What a wonderful name we have, the name of Jesus. That the name of Jesus, miracles happen. That the name of Jesus, things are changed. One time I was going into a hospital back in about 19... Probably 1981 to pray for, pray, pray for some people, being another couple before I was married to Mrs. Pastor. We used to go to the hospital, made a lot of hospital calls. Well, we'd go there to pray for this person at a community hospital south in Indianapolis or north, north hospital. And when we was going through there, was walking through the emergency room. Well, I've always got what I call my spiritual antenna up. Wherever I go, I've always listed Jesus. Anything you want me to do? Anybody want me to talk to Jesus? What's going? And I looked and there's a young couple sitting there in the emergency room. And I just drawn to him. I walked over to him. I said, hey, what are you guys here for? Well, the guy held up his finger, and he had a great big cut across his finger there. They were holding it together. If they could for the guy to see him. And I said, can I pray for you? And so I laid hands on this man and prayed. And this couple with me, he and his wife or girlfriend, if she was, saw a miracle happen. That cut closed up. We saw it right before our eyes. It closed all the way up to where God healed him right there on the spot and gave him a miracle. And so I'm telling you, these things are very real. If I get you out of your mind today and into your heart where Jesus lives, I can change your life today. Amen. Amen. And so anyway, uh, as a Bible teacher, I don't teach fairy tales. I don't teach man's wisdom. I teach the Word of God. If you want man's wisdom, you got to study man's books. But I'm studying God's books. I'm going to get His wisdom for you. Amen? And so God wants you to receive His best while you're living on earth. And then as I see it on the cake, so to speak, you get to go to heaven when you die. But Jesus said, I will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So He says, even as your soul prospers. And so, even as your soul prospers means this. The Bible teaches us that we're a three-part being. How many of you recognize that your body is just the thing you live in while on earth? That when you die, you leave your body behind and you go to heaven. Amen. And so the real you that got born again is your spirit. Your spirit changed and received the nature of God, but then your mind is part of your soul. Your mind is totally different. Your mind's not your body. Your mind's not your spirit. Your spirit has eternal life. Your spirit is alive to God. Your spirit always believes the Word of God. Your spirit always wants to do what God wants to do. But your body shouts at you. And then your mind will lie to you if you don't train your mind. 
you've got to get your mind thinking different. So today, we want to get you out of, out of your head and into your heart. And so your, your spirit is where the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Now listen to this. You need to understand this. But your mind is the door to your spirit. And most of our minds have been educated wrong about spiritual things. I want to say that again. Most Christians' minds are educated wrong about spiritual things. I know that that couple I talked about back in the 80s, I used to go to the hospitals with and did a lot of things together. She was a nurse, had been a nurse for years. And she told me as much as she knows in her heart the Word of God, how real divine healing is. Whenever we went to, we went to pray for some of these people, she said her mind went into nurse gear. And sometimes she said, you guys got to pray because my faith's being hindered right now. Said, I see this, and so I know this is going on. I see this, and so I know this is happening. And she said, my mind's fighting me so hard because I'm a nurse. That's hard for me to believe for their healing right now. And so if we analyze symptoms in our bodies, symptoms that people were praying for, only according to natural knowledge, our faith will be hindered. Now, I want to say this. I always got to say this so people know this. Our church, nor God, are against doctors and medicine. God wants you helped. We want you helped. We would never tell somebody, don't see a doctor, don't listen to a doctor. If I didn't believe in doctors to help me get through the, what I was going through last year until my faith kicked in right, I wouldn't be here today probably. And so we're never saying that, so don't let the devil ever deceive your mind to say they're coming against us. What we're saying is this. Your spirit, with the Word of God, can bring faith on the scene and change what's causing that sickness. I want to give you another statement the Lord gave me years ago. You probably want to write this down if you don't, if you haven't heard me say this before. Faith doesn't deny things. Faith changes things. We don't deny when I was having that heart attack last year. We didn't deny that my arm was about to blow up and I didn't know it's because only 1% of the blood was moving through my heart. We didn't deny those symptoms, but through prayer, I wasn't getting results. I knew I had to get to the doctor. But our faith in God's word changed what was. The doctors did their part, but God did his part because of our faith in his word. And then the doctor told me two weeks later, says there's no damage. And we were thinking about going to Big Bear because we like to go up to Big Bear at the end of every year. We're going up there in a few weeks because we always seek God for the coming year. We like to go to Big Bear. We've got a place up there in timeshare. We go up there just to get away and be at Big Bear. I know it's a higher, higher altitude. Altitude. And I'm ignorant about health things, heart things like that. And I thought, well, we'll go up that 8,000 foot elevation, have anything to do with surgery. And just, so I asked the doctor. I said, is it okay if we go to, if we go up to Big Bear at that higher elevation? And I said, sometimes we like to fly on airplanes to go places and do things. He said, you can fly an airplane. You go to Big Bear. He said, you can swim if you want to. And I said, you mean I can swim now? He said, yeah. I said, good. I never could before. I can't wait to try it out. (laughs) Praise the Lord. I guess it works. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And, uh, of course, my wife's in the horse business. We've had lots of horses. We've got one big horse right now. And 
I suppose I could ride a horse now if I wanted to, but I'm not going to try that yet. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 30 and 31. Now look at this close. We're getting down to the meat of where I want to take you now. It says, For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. And so he said there's a cause or a reason why one's among us. Well, there's two types of people in the world. Either born-again Christian people, or people aren't born again. Born-again Christians, the Bible tells us, are the church, are the church family, or God's family. And so, in a church, he said there's a reason why people in your congregation are weak and sickly. God's the one that said that, I didn't. He said many, he didn't just say a few, said many are weak and sickly in your church. He said there's a reason. Well, I want to tell you this if you don't know this. There's a covenant. Mrs. Pastor talked about our covenant day of tithing with God. The New Testament is the new covenant. The Old Testament is the old covenant. And so the world has no covenant because they're not hooked up with God. The only way you get hooked up with God is receiving Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And when you do, you're not in the world anymore. You're not of the world anymore. You're of God. And so people of the world with no covenant get sick because they're under a curse. There's a reason. They're not under the blessing. They're sick because they haven't given their lives to God yet. So God can have mercy on them a lot of times. But God can't really bless them with the covenant benefits because they haven't accepted it yet. And so I want to get this across to you. Christians don't need to be sick like the world. God said, for this reason, there's many sick among you. As a pastor, I can tell you, as a pastor for lots of years, it's very, very, very sad to me. And I talked to other pastors about this. I just with a lot of pastors in Michigan and had dinner with a few. And we talked about different things. And we're all the same way. We're so sad when we teach and pastor at a church like our church and like these other churches that teach the Bible. And you got Christians that have been going to your church for 30 years and they haven't got a clue yet about healing. When Christians have been coming for five years and they still don't know how to get healed. Or they got blockages to their healing. And so this verse right here is such a crucial thing. You know, we just got through saying we believe the Bible. Well, this is in the Bible. He said many. He didn't say, well, some. He said many. The Bible says many. How many believe that the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit? And men wrote as the Holy Spirit inspired them. So how many of you have the same Holy Spirit in you that's the same Holy Spirit that inspired the Bible? Amen. And so it's not a different Holy Spirit. That's the same Holy Spirit. How many believe that your heart is sensitive to God because you're born again? Spirit of God's in you. So you know right now as we read this verse that this is talking to you. This is God talking. He said, for this many, for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. You know what that means? That means die before their time. Can I tell you? I, I can't hit bunny trails too much at all. But, you know, this is not a Bible school. It's just a one-hour one service, basically, for what we do. So much I can tell you that I know that you need to know. Okay, the Bible teaches 
And God's never changed it yet. In the days of Noah, God said, man's days will be 120 years. That's what God said. I've been studying the Old Testament lately. Moses died at 120 years old. And it says he had 20-20 vision at all of his strength. And then you get down into Psalms 90. Into Psalms 90, Moses, when the children of Israel were in the wilderness, was cried out to God. And he said, how come these guys are only getting 70 years? Said they ought to get at least 70 or 80. And God said, they're under judgment out here. Said, I told them they went out there, they're going to die in judgment. And so when they were living in the wilderness, they got 70 years. And they were under judgment. And Moses said, you ought to get at least 80. And so, you know, based upon those couple passages I told you about right there, Christians should get a minimum of 70 good years. And 80, if they use a little faith. And, you know, it depends on how long you want to go. And, you know, up to 120 years, the Bible says. We can only have faith in what the Bible says. We can't get out beyond the Bible. But God said man's day is going to be 120 years. And so we as believers, and, you know, if you're in a sick body, man, you might want to go at 65 years old. If you're sick and can't get well. But because God said above everything else, he wants you to be in health, then there's no reason and Alzheimer's, dementia, that's not health. He's given us power to love and a sound mind. We have the mind of Christ. We should be able to have our right head, a body that gets us where we want to go, does what it's supposed to do, money in our pocket, and let it be 80 years old, 90 years old. If you want more, go for more. And just say, Jesus, what I've done, all you want me to do with my family, what I've done, all you want me to do for being a blessing to people on earth, I'll be ready to go. I'm going to be like, like, like the men of old. I'm going to call my family in and say, family, I've lived a long life. I've lived a good life. I know where I'm going when I die. I want to pray for you before I go. I'm not sick. I've got my sound mind, but I've lived out my days. I'm 90 years old right now, 85, whatever it is, and I'm ready to go see Jesus. Goodbye. I've known people do it that way. Amen. And this sounds far-fetched, but you know what the Bible's called, what the gospel's called? Gospel. See, by the way, gospel means good news. You know what good news is? Too good to be true. Heard a lady say one time, if it's not too good to be true, I doubt it's the gospel. Does this sound too good to be true? Live a long time. No Alzheimer's. Not addicted to painkillers and drugs. Having money in your pocket. Your family comes over and you're 90 years old and you say, I'm not dependent upon Social Security. Let's have a family union. I'm going to pay for it. And if you're my family, you better know God because we've got eight kids. And all of our kids are married. And our kids have grandkids. So if we have a family union, I have to load up the dump truck, put some money in it. But that's the gospel. That's good news. So anyway, for this verse right here, then you look at the next one. He says, here's the cause. Here's the cause when many are weak and sickly. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. If we should judge ourselves, judge ourselves, not your wife, not your husband, not your boss, not your preacher, not your fellow church member, not your next door neighbor. 
not the one that works down at Walmart, not the one that waits on you at the table, says, judge yourself. God says, judge yourself. Look at your neighbor. Say, I'm not judging you anymore. I'm going to judge myself because I want to live long and I want to live strong. Say that. Say, I want to live long and I want to live strong. All right. Now for your, for your fill in the blanks, one reason, but not the only reason, because he said, uh, many, he didn't say all, many are weak and sickly, but one reason, but not the only reason many believers fail to receive healing from God is they never really judge themselves and make corrections. They've never really judged themselves. Now listen to this and make corrections. When you see that you're doing wrong, you don't just repent and confess it. You correct it. I was in Kiev, Ukraine back in July of 1999. And when I was there, there were preachers and missionaries and people from all over the former Soviet Union come to this conference we were doing. It was really, really, the, I think the arena held 12,000 people. But it had a lot of, we only had three or 400 people there when we was there in the daytime because it was pastors and leaders from over there. And these people sold everything they had and talked to some of them. They traveled three or four days by train and walking and everything else to get there because American preachers were coming to teach them the word of faith. But anyway, I said that to say this. In prayer one morning, for I went in front of all these people from all these nations, the Lord told me to tell them this. Because they were all coming there looking for answers. And you probably want to write this down. This is, this is really good. It'll help you. And this will answer some of your questions. He said, if you want direction, you must first receive correction. If you want direction, you must first receive correction. And the Lord gave me that last week and thinking about us going to Michigan to hear some thanks to the Lord for ourselves. And I got to thinking about that. I saw something I hadn't seen before. How many have heard the story about airplanes that, the, you know, the pilots, they got their gauges, everything they watch and make sure where they're going. And, you know, I've heard them say that they can only be one degree off. But when they're driving several hundred miles by being one degree off, going to the right, direct, wrong direction by one degree, they could be going to a city at an airstrip, but one degree over several hundred miles will hit a mountain. Because they just, they're off course. And they started off right, but because they didn't adjust that one degree back, they missed the city to hit the mountain. Because they were off and didn't change. Think about your life. If you're off one degree right now in how you're living, and what you're believing, you're going to end up crashing. And so when God shows you things and you judge yourself, we're going to talk about these things today. If you don't make correction, then you're still going the wrong direction. You're going to end up crashing. Does that help anybody? Amen. He wants us to make corrections. And so anyway, go to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 19. And this is what birthed this whole thing. This is what, uh, this, this is our Bible study we're doing online together right now. We're in 1 Timothy. How many here have been reading 1 Timothy and loving it? Hey Amen. I'm loving this. 1 Timothy is really, really, really speaking to me. I tell you what, I had a trouble, trouble with Amos. You know, we did Amos right before this. How, how many, how many thought, man, this Amos is pretty serious? Well, God had us do Amos. 
But the reason, one reason I really like Amos is chapter three of, anyway, chapter three of Amos I really like. And I don't know if I'd ever really read the whole book like I did this time. But man, I'll tell you what, it's getting kind of doobie gloomy reading that whole book there. But still at the same time, we want to be warned about what to do, don't we? But Timothy, I'm loving. And when I got this verse in Timothy last week when I was up in Michigan reading this, that I knew that somehow, some way, the Lord was going to have me minister this to the congregation. And so then, anyway, showed me to build this in with this divine healing thing. And so First uh, Timothy 1.19 says this, Holding faith and a good conscience. Holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. And that's what we're talking about, crashing, being off, and, and making ship, shipwreck. And so we're going to be looking at the faith and conscience, but I want you to think about this. I wrote this down in my notes. Shipwreck should be easy to understand. How many, and everybody does, I know, know about the Titanic? You know, I, I guess they still teach young people in schools about the Titanic, but everybody should know about the Titanic back in, what was it, 19, early 1900s, 1919 or something. Titanic was indestructible. Everybody knows the story, the Titanic. Indestructible. There's nothing could sink the Titanic. Well, there's lots of Christians that think they're indestructible. They can plow through anything, but can come out okay. You have to always remember there's a devil out there. There is a curse out there you can walk back under if you want to. You're not indestructible. Anyway, he said, some, some get rid of faith and their conscience, they ignore it, and they go shipwrecked. So the Titanic was warned by other vessels. There's a big iceberg up here. The captain was warned. The first officer was warned. They were warned, the navigators. And all they did was party to life as usual. Everybody was celebrating. Why were they celebrating? We're indestructible. We got a ticket on the big ship. We're going around the world. We're indestructible. Nothing can stop us. They were warned and warned and warned and warned. Make corrections, make corrections, make corrections. Change direction, make corrections. They didn't change. So what happened? Called shipwreck. They were warned. Christians are warned by God through His Word and in the voice of the Spirit. They're warned. Make corrections, make corrections. The Bible says don't do this. You can't keep doing it. It's going to catch up with you. The Bible says you're supposed to be growing. You need to make changes. You need to change what you're saying. Change how you're living. Change how you're treating other people. Change how you're handling your money. You sit in that church for 20 years and you've never given God 10% one time. And you're claiming the blessings, but you're living under the curse. I'm indestructible. I've got all this wealth built up. Well, Jesus told about a rich man, said, I'm going to build bigger barns. He said, I got so much, I don't know what I'm going to do. And God appeared to him that night and said, you fool. Don't you know this night your soul's going to be required of you? Then whose will those things be that you've gathered? Christians, we're being warned from the Bible right here. There's a thing called shipwreck. If you don't do these two things, he's talking about faith and a good conscience. Somebody says, I got faith. What about your conscience? And what am I teaching today? I want to remember you. I want to remind you 
We're talking about why some Christians fail to receive divine healing. You think that the ship, your life, is indestructible. But if you don't make these corrections, shipwrecks coming. That's what God says. So some Christians reject living by faith in God's word. Some Christians reject living by faith in God's word and ignore their conscience. And ignore their conscience. So they seldom receive healing from God. So they seldom receive healing from God. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you. What did he say the reason was? They don't judge themselves. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you. Because they don't judge themselves. I want to say that again. Why is that? I don't want to do your funeral. I don't like doing funerals. The only funerals I like doing is when I see a person that's at least in their 80s. And they lived a good full life. And I know they're born again. They were ready to go. They lived a good full life. And it didn't bother them to die because they said, I've got a clean conscience. I've lived for God. I've been a blessing to my family. I've been a blessing to mankind. I'm born again. My name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. At that kind of funeral, I could stand there. And I know we don't do caskets much anymore, but I don't know. It's always nice to look at a body down there. It's me out with closure, but whatever. Anyway, I don't mind doing those kind of funerals. I feel sorry always for people that don't know God and they don't realize that this old person laying there is not there. That's a body. They're in heaven. I feel sorry for them. want to tell them about Jesus. But that's the only kind of funeral I like to do. And so he said, for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you. I'm a man of God. I'm called to teach the Bible. I'm answering your questions right now. If you're sick and can't get well, and you know, it always surprises me at a congregation like this, even people come to this church for a long time. There's young people in this church today that have serious diseases on the inside of them, and they're totally living off of medicine right now. And I want to say again, I'm not knocking that. Whatever you got to do to do, make it. But let's get you healed. Let's get off the medicine. And you never get off medicine until the doctor says come off the medicine. Don't come off the medicine because you heard a message here today and think, I'm going to throw away my pills. Well, you throw away your pills, you might fall down and be out of it. Receive healing from God. Receive direction from God. Receive healing so you can live pain-free, drug-free. Live out your days and do all God wants you to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Somebody shout. Now listen to this. He said, faith and conscience. And so your conscience is the voice of your spirit. Your conscience is the voice of your spirit. Your conscience is the voice of your spirit. That's that inner man on the inside of you. That's knowing what you're supposed to do. We as Christians, if we're walking with God, there's carnal Christians that walk with God two or three times a month on Sunday morning. And then they bring their cell phones and they sit there. Oh, I'm just reading my Bible. But they're lying because they're playing games. Well, that's sad that your conscience will let you do that. And so your conscience in that case is not a safe guide. If you're a Christian, and I, I, want, I want to emphasize, there's no perfect Christians. Man, we're all goofy sometimes. 
We're all stupid sometimes. We're all dumb sometimes. We all miss the mark sometimes. That's just the way it is. We live in an earth suit. We do dumb things. But if your Christian has a good heart towards God, you're doing the best you know to do. And when you do do wrong, you judge yourself and say, Jesus, forgive me. I don't want to do that anymore. I'm sorry. And you make corrections, make changes. Then you can listen to your heart, the voice of your spirit, and you'll know the difference between right and wrong. But if you're not living that way, then you're like a lost person. A lost person's conscience. Now listen to this. We're not a politically correct church, okay? We're a biblically correct church. We go according to what the Bible says, not according to what Supreme Courts or anybody's government says that violates the Bible, tells them we're supposed to do something contrary to the Word of God. So there's a lot of things in modern times that they pass laws and say it's okay. Well, your heart, from the Bible, if you know it's not okay, it's not okay. Okay, sinners that don't know God, they don't have the nature of God, they say you can have sex with anybody you want to have sex with, it's okay. Because they're sinners. If you're a Christian, your heart tells you you can't have sex with you want to have sex with. If you're a Christian, your heart tells you, I need a wedding ring before I have sex. That's safe sex. That's what I need. Your heart tells you it's not okay to lie. Your heart tells you it's not okay. There's no white lies. Sinners say, well, that's just a white lie. Well, in the book of Revelation, we read that a while back, it says that all liars will have their place in the lake of fire. All liars. And that's not talking about somebody that sometimes you're in a tight place and I'm not justified at all, but sometimes you say something stupid. Oh, man, why did I say that? I should have just told the truth. It's talking about people that live a lifestyle of lying. You know, you've heard, you've heard the old saying before, well, I can tell when she's lying every time her mouth's open. Well, we know he's lying. Well, how'd you know? His mouth was open. And so the kind of person, the book of Revelation says, the one that loves and makes a lie, they don't go to heaven. And so our conscience as Christians will not let us live a lie, deceitful lifestyle if we listen to our conscience. And he says, he says that people go shipwrecked that throw away faith in a good conscience. I don't want shipwreck. How about you? I want healed if I need healed. I don't want to get sick. I want to be well. I want to have faith in my grandbabies to get healed if they need it. I want to have faith to get my sons and daughters and their mates healed if they need it. I want to have faith as a pastor that if you come up here, whether you say you've got a sore throat or being diagnosed with serious cancer, whatever it is, I want to be able to know I'm connected with God and when I pray for you, heaven's going to move on your behalf. Amen. Amen. So I am not going to violate my conscience. I'm going to protect my conscience. I'm going to keep my faith. I'm going to study the Word of God. I'm going to have a good prayer life with God. I'm going to worship Him. I'm going to give Him glory and keep my faith pumped up. But at the same time, I'm not going to walk out of the church and say, Okay, I clocked out now. Now I'll go back to living like a heathen. I'm not going to do that. My conscience is with me 24-7 wherever I go. I'm going to guard my conscience because I want my faith to work. Amen. How about you? All right. Now I want you to go over to chapter 4, 1 Timothy 4. Remembering our subject today is why some Christians fail to receive healing. Say this. Say this. I'm not a Christian that fails to receive healing. I'm a Christian that guards my heart and guards my conscience 
if I, if I need healing, I will receive it quickly. Okay, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. I want you to notice these same two words again. Now, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit specifically speaketh expressly, specifically, that of the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Well, that what he just warned in chapter 2, chapter 1, about holding on to the faith. Some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing or deceiving spirits and doctrines of devils, doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience, there's a conscience again, faith and conscience, seared with a hot iron. I want to tell you again, your conscience is the voice of your spirit. A seared conscience is when you constantly ignore what God is telling you to do in your hearts. And you eventually get to the place where you live like an unbeliever, a person that doesn't know Jesus. With God's love and nature on the inside, you know the difference between right and wrong, but you must choose. Life's a choice. You must choose to say no to sin and wrongdoing and say yes to Jesus and living right. Write down Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. Write down Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. And God said in that verse, He said, I call you to record this day. He said, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. He said, therefore choose life. You know why? You have a free will. If you want to backslide, die early and go to hell, then God says, I don't want you to, but I'm not a dictator. The devil tries to pressure you to serve him. God doesn't pressure you. God just says, freely come. Amen. And so anyway, your conscience seared with a hot iron. Your conscience seared. Let me tell you what that means to me. How many of you men or women have ever worked with your hands without a pair of gloves and got a blister? You've done something like, you know, a pair of scissors, you're cutting and cutting, and all of a sudden you realize, man, I've done so many times, my hand is sore. Get a blister. Or you might be a, a man, carpenter, mechanic or something, you're using a hammer, using a tool, using a saw, and all of a sudden you realize, man, I've already done a hundred of these. My hand's raw. And you've got a really serious blister there. Well, that blister will bust and turn into a callus. And so then after your hands get calloused from hard work, you can use those same tools without gloves and it doesn't hurt anymore. You know why? You've got the nerves covered up with extra skin and they're insensitive. And so you don't realize this is hurting because it's not hurting anymore, because it's calloused or seared. Christians, that keep on ignoring their conscience. Keep on doing something they shouldn't do, that God said, don't do that. Well, when that first happens, you feel really bad about it. You feel guilty. You feel stupid. You feel dumb. You think, man, I shouldn't have done that. And then you do it again, and think, huh, well, pastor preached about the Word of God, about shipwreck. I've done this two times, three times now. Lightning didn't fall from heaven. I'm not sick. Everything's okay. Well, your conscience is starting to get seared. Can I, can I give you a little test? How many here remember when you were a new Christian? Raise your hand. if you This, this is not a setup. I'm not going to call on you. How many remember when you were a new Christian? 
All right. Do you remember there were certain things you would somebody might be watching on TV or a movie and you were so grieved about it? You thought, oh, I can't watch that. If you can watch that now, your conscience is seared in that area. How many remember when you were a new Christian, there were things that you talked about, you felt bad about, didn't want to talk about it. You know, maybe dirty stories or maybe gossip about people. And you felt so bad about that, your conscience was tender as a new Christian. thought, this is wrong. I can't talk about them that way. Here's a checkup from the neck up. If you can gossip about people now, be critical, judgmental about people now. If it doesn't bother you now to hear a nasty joke, your conscience is seared in that area. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you. I tell you what, when I was a truck driver, which I was for a lot of years, they didn't have all the smartphones and stuff now. They just had dirty magazines being the break room of the truck drivers. They want to bring out the books. I was a Christian. They, hey, look at this. That's immediately what I saw. I said, no, I'm not looking at that. I don't look at those things anymore. Hey, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. You want to go with us? I'd say, no, I don't go there anymore. I go to church. I walked away from it. I wasn't afraid to say it because I protected my conscience. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. And so, faith and conscience. And so anyway, if you don't choose to say no to sin, you justify your sin because you have seared the voice of your spirit. You've got to say no to sin. James 4.17. James, and I've given you lots of verses because I'm a Bible teacher. I don't teach ideas. I teach what God says. You know, I was on my knees yesterday afternoon praying over today. And as I was talking to the Lord, I'll take you into my prayer closet for a minute. I said, Jesus, I realize I'm going to stand in front of you someday and give an account for my life. And I said, Lord, I want to hear you say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. It's not just a sermon, it's my life. I said, I want to hear you say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Here to thou the joy of thy Lord. I said, Jesus, help me be always sensitive to you when I'm preaching and teaching your word. I don't say anything that's wrong. That I only teach the word of God. And Lord, I know if I get into things that aren't Bible, I'll be judged for that. So I want to stick with the word. I want to show people what you've got to say because I know that once I get it out, it's off of me and it's on to them. Because when we're judged, I'll be judged, you'll be judged. You stand in front of God, you think smartphones are smart. Wait till the Almighty God shows you how smart He is. You think Google knows everything. Wait till you meet Jesus. You stand in front of Jesus. And you know, uh, when I was a kid, they used to have a saying, that you can fool some of the people some of the time, all the people all the time, but you can't fool mom. Okay, you might be able to fool your husband, your wife, your preacher, your fellow Christian sometimes, and then sometimes you think you're fooling a serious Christian, you're not fooling them at all, because they got the Holy Ghost, they know you're lying. But anyway, when you get in front of God, there's no con jobs now. You get in front of God and you say, I didn't really know about tithing. You know what's going to happen? God's going to flash you about 10,000 screens from this church. And he's going to show you sitting there saying, the faith confession. 
He's going to see you sitting there saying, Glory to God, He reduced the divide for me. And you put your dollar in and you make $10,000 a month. You say, God, I was a tither. And God's going to say, You're a liar. God's going to say, You deceived yourself. God's going to say, Doctors of demons. We just read that. Give it a heed to doctors of demons. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. We're going to keep on moving. This is good. James 4.17 Therefore, to him that knoweth to do what? And doeth it what? Not. To him it's what? Sin. And you know, I want to say this about God. I learned this off Brother Hagin a long time ago. Because God is God, He won't judge you for what you don't know to do. He'll only judge you what you know to do. So if you, if you sincerely and really know in your heart what to do, God knows that. But if you really don't know, God knows that. And that's why it says He's long-suffering. That's why it says He's full of mercy. And so lots of things we're talking about today, I believe nearly everybody in here is getting an understanding today. But there's probably some people here today it's not clicking with yet. And so God knows it's not. And so you don't know yet it's wrong to do those things. You know, I think about some of the, some of the dumb things in life we see. You know, you get somebody come in that was a serious drug addict, et cetera, et cetera, and finally they're down to the place in life where they're down to a six-pack a week. They're just drinking six beers a week. Well, God is so happy, not that they're drinking the beer, but they're not high on the dope anymore because they're going backwards getting weaned off until they're free of everything. But then you as the believer that hears Pastor Dave next week and sees that person that a month ago they were high on dope and now they're not on dope anymore because they're starting to get more and more free and you judge them because they're drinking six beers. Well, to you, it's way wrong. But to them, they're so happy they're not putting something in their nose, putting something in their arm, or taking some kind of pills to make them check out of life and they're so happy there. God is too. Not the drink of the beer, but praise God, they're not where they used to be. They're not yet where He wants them to be, but at least they're not where they used to be. So in our lives, we have to know we're all at different levels of faith. And so we have to judge this. God knows where Mike Jackson lives at. God knows where Michael Cabrera lives at. God knows where Dylan lives at. I'm talking about spiritually right now. I'm talking about Four different levels right here of faith with us. You know, we're all four different places with God. But he said, if you know to do good and you don't do it, then you're in sin. Is this bearing witness of anybody's spirit? Amen. And so instantly obey the voice of your spirit. Instantly obey the voice of your spirit and you'll keep a tender conscience. Make the quality decision to never violate your conscience. Make the quality decision to never violate your conscience. Do your best that if you're talking to somebody and you stretch the truth or you tell something not right, as soon as those words come out of your mouth and you realize, "Uh uh-oh, I should have said that, immediately say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Dylan, what I just told you, wasn't exactly right. Let me tell you, here's, here's what I should have said. And you know what? Dylan's not going to be offended because I said, Dylan, let me correct what I just said. Dylan's going to be very happy that I told him the truth. But you know what's the best thing about that? 
I judged myself immediately. I've got a conscience. And if I didn't correct something I knew wasn't right, it's like using the tool. I'm starting to get a little blister right there. So the next time I'm talking to somebody else, I say, Ray, let me tell you something. And then it wasn't quite right. I thought, that's okay. I'll be embarrassed if I, if I say something different. I'm not going to say anything. It got easier to do. Then the next time, the next thing you know, man, I'm a full-blown liar. Back to where I was before I knew God. I'm just starting to tell lies all the time. What happened? My conscience got seared. Why did it get seared? Because I was talking to Dylan. I didn't change that one little sentence I told him. Is this helping anybody? Hey, man, if you know to do good, do it not to you, it's sin. It's to obey the voice of your spirit. I want to look at two more verses, and these are critical for your healing. Exodus 15, 26. Exodus 15, 26. You know, I, I remember years ago, one of my truck driving jobs, I had the, the big boss would come out and sit and have coffee with us sometimes. And he would tell the new employees, which I was at the time, he'd tell us this. He made this statement he made. This guy, was, he wasn't a saved man. He's really a good man, but he made a statement. It was really good for a big boss of a company that had hundreds of people right there at that local operation. He'd come out there and tell his new employees, he said, we're going to treat you so many different ways, you're bound to like one of them. And so when I teach the Word of God, I'm going to teach you for as many different verses, you're bound to get one of them. That's why I use so many verses, because I want to make sure that at least one of them gets into you. And so some of you are listening from different perspectives, but if I show these verses, something's going to jump off you, something's going to click, and you're going to get it, and that's what I get the blessing of God in my heart, because I know that because I helped you, I pleased Him. And so, Exodus 15, 26, excellent verse, but we're the specific part we want to see. <clears throat> and said, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, that's His Word and His Spirit speaking to your heart. Now look at this. I got this circle in mind, and will do that which is right in His sight. And will do that which is right in His sight. It doesn't say I will do right when somebody's watching you. I will do that which is right so you're a man pleaser. We'll do that which is right in his sight. I will give ear to his commandments. Keep all his statutes. I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that killeth thee. Oh. It doesn't say killeth. I'm the Lord that what? Killeth thee. What was a big requirement here? Do that which is right in his sight. Do that which is right in his sight. Instantly obey your conscience is a key to divine healing and health. Instantly obey your conscience is a key to divine healing and health. And now a New Testament equivalent is 1 Peter 2.24, and we'll close here. 1 Peter 2.24 has always spoken the same thing to me as Exodus 15.26 he said, do that which is right in his sight. says this, Jesus, who his own self bare our sins in his body on the tree. How many believe that Jesus took our sins in his body on the cross? Amen. That we've been dead to sins. How many know that with the life of God in you, your inner nature is dead to sin now? Your inner man, your spirit does not want to do wrong. says, is dead to sins. 
And so because we're dead to sin, and look at this, should live unto righteousness. Should live unto righteousness. He says, do that which is right in his sight. <clears throat> should live unto righteousness. And so what he's saying here is not only do you know what's right, <clears throat> but you got to transform that into actions on the outside. If you know it's right to be sleeping with just somebody you're married to and you're not married, quit sleeping around. Amen. If you know it's right to quit being mean to people, start treating people with respect. If you know it's right to tell the truth, quit lying. If you know it's right to watch TV shows that don't have all the sex and stuff in them, quit watching them. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you. And many die prematurely. He said, should live unto righteousness. He said, daughter, should you know right, you should live it. And then what's that last part say? By whose stripes ye were healed. And so it's all sandwiched together. He took the sins, says live right, and then he gave you healing too. By whose stripes you were healed. And so anyway, if you were listening today with your hearts and get your head out of the way, God told you today through the word of God, he doesn't want you sick. If you're sick, he wants you well. And if you're failing to receive healing, God said, check your heart. Judge yourself, and then don't just say, I'm sorry, say I'm going to change with your help, Lord, and quit doing what you've done that got you in trouble. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.